Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord if you believe that. Will you clap your hands unto the Lord and shout with a voice of triumph. God, you are my healer, God. God, you are my deliverer, God. You are my strong tower, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your presence in this place today, God. I thank you, God, for your mercy, God, once again, Lord, being in this house, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank God, I thank God. I want to give reverence to the presence of God in this place today. The power that we feel in this place. If you haven't had quite the touch you need yet, God is still in this place. He is still in this place. And God can move upon your body and heal you. Amen. How many knows the healer is in the house today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Matthew 1. I'm going to start my text by a, a place many of you may have skipped across a few times and uh, understandably so but uh, I feel like the Lord has given me a word and as brother Boyd was speaking I know God had given me a word after all this absolutely Matthew 1 the first one says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ the son of David the son of Abraham Abraham begat Isaac and Isaac begat Jacob and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And Judas begat Phares and Zerah and Tamar, and Phares begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Aram. Anybody tired yet? And Aram begat Memedad, and Memedad begat Nason, and Nason begat Salmon. Salmon begat Boaz and of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. I want to take my text from this. And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. I want to speak on the miracle in the middle of a mess. A miracle in the middle of a mess. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you, Lord. Lord, knowing, God, your power and your mercy is in this house already, God. God, we know your word is anointed, God. I'm asking, God, right now that you would anoint these lips, Lord. 
God, to speak, God, a word, God, uh, to speak to a word, God, to encourage, God, those that are hurting, God, those, God, that seem to be in the mess of their life, God, that don't know where to turn to, God. God, we're asking, God, right now, that your presence, God, by the end of this service, God, that you would comfort them, Lord God, that you would have an outpouring of their spirit, God, on the lost, God, that needs you, Lord, the healing, God, that doesn't need a touch from you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You can be seated. The Bible was given under divine inspiration. Every word is meaningful. Most people skip over the genealogies. Many fall to grasp the significance of them. Genealogy was the most important to God because of the promises made to the men and their offspring. Genealogy was important because of the land inheritance was divided according to the family. I'm just going to speak for a few minutes. I'm, I'm laying a ground here. I'm, I'm not going to be long. Genealogy was important because of the offices, the duties, and responsibilities that were ordered by God and passed through generations to come. Today in Israel, the priesthood has never reestablished young men been trained to perform the various duties that God outlined that Moses thousands of years ago because of the records of genealogy, they know who is responsible for what. The genealogies gave people their identity for life and gave them purpose. It is obvious that the lineage of Jesus Christ was to be established through all this because of the prophecies. But, but there is something that speaks louder to me than genealogy, something that speaks louder than records. There has been 400 years of silence. The very last words of the book of Malachi says this. And the, and the judgment and the prophet, there were no word, no voice, no move, and no communication. Now there is a voice. I cannot believe but that the first recording would be this. The communication from heaven after 400 years of silence have to be important. They have to be weighty. They have to be meaningful. After all, we are talking about the family tree of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Christ. I got three points I want to make today. The author, the woman, and the king. Matthew labels himself Matthew the publican, which none of the other writers do. The man who wrote the book looked down upon by the community. He was not looked at as a Matthew Henry or any, you know, these big names that many would just want to read his, their words. But there are three, are, the four um, women here are introduced as three, are introduced by the name Rahab, Ruth, and Tamar. Bath, Bathsheba is introduced by incident of her that had been the wife of Urias. If these are the only women identified as being part of the ancestry of Jesus Christ, there must be something hidden in these scriptures. Two of these women were Gentiles by birth, Rahab, Rahab and Ruth. That in itself is significant. Three of them women were a blot in the Old Testament. Tamar, her father in Genesis 38, 
her father-in-law was the father of Perez and Pharaoh. And Rahab in Joshua 2 was a known as a practicing harlot. Bathsheba in 2 Samuel 11, the adulterous husband was murdered. What a way to end 400 years of silence. As if thereby to establish at their very outset the unsearchable riches of grace, which could not only be fetched, but they could be very far from the altar. But teach down to the publicans and the harlots and to raise them to sit with the princes of his people. But there is something more here that goes beyond the publicans and the harlots. Blatantly, plainly, is the opening pages of the New Testament. The writer declares for all to see the horrible account of David's failure. That thing that no one wanted to talk about. That part of the life that we should shun. That horrible episode that we don't want to remember. And David the king begot Solomon, her that had been the wife of Urias. We want to read about the rescue of the little lamps. We want to read about the bear and the lion. We want to read about the giant. We want to read about the man after God's own heart. But instead we are focused to read about David's carnality, humanity, and frailty. Instead we are forced to read about his failure. You would think that these obvious embarrassing characteristics would never be listed in the lineage of Christ. You would think that they would never be mentioned, never be recorded, but they are. Everybody say, but they are. In the opening chapters of the New Testament, God's new covenant, publicans and harlots, the ones that righteous people avoid to contact with. The ones that are considered scourges of the society, the vile ones, the unrighteousness ones, the filthy ones, the ones that holy people just don't talk to. Started in the very first testament. And then the bombshell. And David the king begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. There's no doubt it is our beloved David. Twice he is called David the king. We want to read of his glory and not his sin. We want to read of his victories and not his failures. But God just wants to put it in your face in a way that you cannot dress it up. I'm going to put it in the very first chapter. Let me tell you why the very first, the New Testament is literally God's new covenant with humanity. It is the opening pages of the genealogy he is referring, reaffirming more than promises of the land and responsibility. He is reaffirming more than just natural, natural, physical promises. He is establishing spiritual promises. Promises that can be beyond the law of the Old Testament. He's establishing promises of grace, hope, and mercy to anyone and everyone. Are there anybody needs hope in this place today? 
Is there anybody that needs grace in this house today? Is there anybody that comes that needs a little more mercy in their life today? In this statement, one, God declares two facts. Humanity's ultimate failure. God's ultimate power. You need to grasp on what I'm saying today. Humanity's ultimate failure and God's ultimate power. David committed two unpardonable sins according to the law of the Old Testament. Adultery and murder. Both were premeditated acts. They were not committed in a moment of uncontrollable emotions. They were all planned long before they ever were committed. They were not an accident. They were no facts of arrogance and ignorance. David, the chosen one, the shepherd king, the psalmist, the man after God's own heart, is no longer the encourager. Now he's the trespasser. He is no longer the man of praise. Now he's the predator. Think about that. No longer the heart player. Now he is the hypocrite. And all of Israel knew it. Yet David attempts to hide the facts behind his position. For over a year he uses God's blessings to cover up his sin. Like us. We come. We sing. We give. We participate. We smile. And we act like God is ignorant of all our antics and dance on that. There were no sacrifices of offerings for sins of ignorance and sins committed in the heat of anger but not by premeditated acts. There was no sacrifice of adultery, of murder. Both were punishable by death. And no one knew better that than David. Brother Boyd was just speaking on this. It took a prophet to bring him to a census. Thou art the man. He would have never come to God on his own, but watched the beauty of a loving Savior. Listen to this. Second Samuel 12 and 13 says, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sins. Thou shalt not die. The moment that David gets honest with God, God speaks mercy, grace, and promise. David didn't have to grovel. David didn't have to beg and plead. All he had to do was just get honest. Just get honest. In a world that seems so fake, it's time for the church to be honest. It's time for the body of Christ to be honest with yourself. If we want to move, we got to be honest. He declares that he can take the darkest, 
darkest, most tragic act of a human failure, and from, from it he can produce a breathtaking, glorious life of beauty and success. And David the king begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. The Bible declares that Solomon was the wisest man ever to live. He ruled Israel over 40 years. Brother Boyd just spoke this. Like he said, the nation of Israel flourished as never before. Never he went to war. And then the queen of Sheba, the half has not been told. Talking about a miracle in the midst of a mess. Trying to allow God's word to birth hope into your situation and your hopelessness this morning. God is in this house still. He's still here to bless. But acknowledge the wickedness of this world. We have to repent. Samuel in verse 20 says, "Verse, Fear not, you have done all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from the following of the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn after vain things which cannot profit or save, for they are vain. There are too many people have been lost because they gave up too soon on the grace of God. They said there is no use. I'm too far. God won't simply forgive this. And my guilt is simply too heavy to carry it to Jesus. If you got things in your life, today is the day to carry them to Jesus. I'm going to tell you. I wouldn't wait one more hour. I wouldn't wait one more minute. We're talking about a king. A man after God's own heart repenting because of his failures this morning. Your sin is not too dark. Your failure is not too great. Your situation is not too hopeless. Your past is not too powerful. There are no impossibilities with God this morning. None. There's a company in Tampa called Restoration Specialist. They stole that title from God. Because he is the ultimate restoration specialist. When you have a wreck, you have two choices. You take it to the junkyard or you take it to a body shop. A junkyard takes it apart piece by piece and sells it to someone else. The body shop pulls it apart and begins to rebuild it. The world has a lot of junkyards. The place is the place of restoration. If you are in a mess, please allow me to show you what to do. Let's talk through this. In Genesis 1, creation is in a mess, dark and void, empty and hopeless. In Genesis 3, Adam is in a mess. He has done the one thing God told him not to do. In Genesis 28, Jacob is in a mess. He lied and deceived, deceived his dad, running from consequences. In Exodus 3, Moses is in a mess. The nation of Israel is in a mess. 
John 4, the Samaritan woman is in a mess. Five marriages and not changing her lifestyle. Luke 15, the prodigal is in a mess. I wish some honest soul in this house would say, I'm in a mess. I'm in a mess. Luke 8, Mary Magdalene is in a mess. Seven devils, Mark 16, appears first to her. Mark 5, a man is possessed by legions, demons, and a mess, naked and crazy. A mess. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in the right mind and they were afraid. So many questions. What kind of a mess are you in? What kind of mess are you in? Your marriage, your family, your children, your future, your tomorrow. You must understand one thing. The mess is not the problem. We are the problem. Too many come to God wanting him to fix this mess. Change the situation. Change the circumstance. Change what I'm dealing with. Change what I'm going through. Our world is big on reformation. God is big on transformation. He's big on transformation. He wants to transform you. Reformation is this. Change what I'm doing. Transformation is this. Change what I am. Alcoholics Anonymous change what we do, not what we are. Jesus said you must be born again. Change what you are not, but what you are doing. God fixes the mess by fixing us. God changes the mess by changing us, but he can't do it. And we refuse to allow him to do so. We've got to remember that creation responded to the Spirit of God. Creation responded to the Word of God. What, he, what he's asking you right now is to respond. To quit. To, to, to relinquish everything that you're doing. Everything that would be involved with that. Luke 15 says this, And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did not eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, that's what life is designed to do. Bring us to ourselves because the problem is not the world. We are the problem. We are the problem. That's where we are right now, to face, to face who and what we are. But if you're truly tired of the mess, tired of who you are, come to God. Come to God. He's wanting to change you. He's wanting to change you. If you come to him, you must do as a prodigal did and as David did. 
I have sinned. And I'm sorry. Let's repent. Empty yourself. Empty yourself of all that you are. You cannot hold back anything. If you want to change, if you want your life to change, you have to do as the uh, prodigal did and come to the Father. Let's all stand. Matthew 1 and 17 says this. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. 42 generations of mistakes. And then there was a promise. I want to tell you this morning, if you feel like you are in a mess of your life, today is the day that God can change it. God is not done in this place by a long imagination. I feel like God still wants to stir and minister to souls. So I want to ask you this. If you need the Holy Ghost this morning, if you just step out and come up and let God bless you. If you need a healing in your body this morning, just come up. Let God bless you. Those that need the Lord this morning, it's an easy thing. Just come up and ask God to forgive you for your sins. Let them be blotted out. Let that miracle in the middle of a mess start with you. With you this morning. The things that I've done in my life, that I'm ashamed of. But God has stepped in. He says, I'm going to change you, Bobby Gibson. I'm going to use you. I'm going to do great things for you. If you haven't had the touch you need this morning, I want to challenge you to just come up. Lift your hands and begin to cry out to God. God, I'm sorry for all the sins I've had in my life, God. God, all the things, God, I've done in my life, God, that I know ain't right, God, but I'm asking you, God, I'm coming before you. God, I'm asking God to minister to my life, God. God, I love you, God. I know sin, God, cannot correspond with glory, God. Oh, God, right now, Lord. Oh, God, right now, Lord Jesus. God, minister, God, to those in need, oh, God. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.